0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love.
1: Hello, and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast where myself, Ross and Joe took everything Milton Keynes done. Uh, Ross, um, obviously we've had some pretty interesting news regarding uh, your FPL team, but we'll talk about that another day. Um, but how are you apart from that?
2: Yeah, I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, what about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, not too bad, thank you, yeah. Um just been, been busy, as usual. Had a decent week at uni, so cracking on with an exam coming up soon. So yeah, fairly busy. Yeah. Um, Joe, how about yourself, mate? How are you doing? Yeah, all good, all good. I think it's yeah, just a, another
3: week where a lot has happened and a lot has changed. So, there's plenty to talk about.
1: Yes, yeah, it wouldn't be a week in Milton Keynes without a lot of stuff happening, would it? And uh, there's plenty of stuff to talk about. So, it's not exactly a bad thing at all. Um, but we'll, we'll go in chronological order and we'll start with a football game that we played there Tuesday night. 3 and 1 over Fleetwood at home it's ADMK, at Stadium K under the lights um on the whole really pleased um second half you know i said to you boys in the group chat how initially i wasn't too pleased second half performance and Russ kind of echoed that but too much once you're 3-0 up it's i think any team would struggle to have that intensity um for the full 90 minutes and i know Russ wants that from his team um and of course he's gonna drill that into him and the players seem to take that message on board um and you know it cost them a the clean sheet but on the whole really happy with the performance um Joe, I know I'll kick off with you. Um, obviously, you've been waxing lyrical on Joe Mason for quite a long time, and uh, of course, after a pretty vocal appearance himself on uh, the previous episode, he's gone and scored a hat trick for you. So I'll let you kick off.
3: Oh well, yeah, the the, the striker whisperer. Um, I think um, I, one thing I want to just mention with with Gladwin and Mason, and I, I did tweet out about some people may have seen it, but I think one thing just to remember is. Gladwin and Mason, they're playing really well at the moment. But the both the one thing that both of them have had in common is a run of games. And they're both players that have been, you know, pl- probably littered with injury uh, troubles over their time in, uh, at Milton Keynes, Dons. And, you know, they're actually getting a, a sort of consistent run in the team now, building up that match fitness and match sharpness, which is so different to, you know, as I think um, as we were coming back from COVID, Russ was saying, you know, you could... It's so different from going for a run. When you're actually on a pitch, you're making these movements. You need to almost learn your teammates what they want to do. And I think you know, Gladwin and Mason, it kind of just proved that players need time and patience, and they they need to be given a chance before you know. Even even though they are both you know in their late twenties, it's they just they just need that consistency and to be able to show what they can actually do. And I thought Mason took all of his goals absolutely fantastically. There's a bit of everything in there. And one thing I do want to say is on, on the commentary, it was mentioned about um, how Fleetwood kept making mistakes. Um, I don't necessarily, in my view, we forced those mistakes. I think it all started from Mason and Drew Robe. I thought the pressing was absolutely it was it was relentless in the first half. They couldn't. They didn't have a minute on the. You know, didn't have ten seconds on the ball. And there was already MK Dons players uh, blocking, running in, uh, blocking them, blocking the, their passes, and you know, forcing them to go long. And then in the end, we would win the ball back fairly quickly. I think as well, straight off, straight from the off, I was really happy to see uh, Dan Harvey uh, starting um, again. I just think it makes such difference having that real width out outside um, out, out, outside on the wings and I think you know we saw from Ethan led it was so, it would be so easy just to kind of lump that ball into the middle where there's a few white white shirts but he, he, he kind of took his time just stopped looked up picked out the man perfectly and it's just having that bit of composure in the final third and um, you know I I've mentioned I absolutely love Matty going uh, you know defensively but going going forward I I I think if you actually look at the Peterborough game, we probably got into better positions, but created hardly anything. And um, in games Dan Harvey started, he started, He's uh, featured in sixty. Uh, he, in, in games that he started, we've uh, we've scored sixteen goals and only conceded eleven. And with Sorinola, we're in games that uh, he he's featured in, we've only actually um, we've only actually um, scored um, twelve goals and actually conceded twenty. And so I think with that as well, you can just see the impact going forward that Dan Harvey has. And, you know, you could say, you know, with Dan Harvey, oh, well, you know, of course he played part, a part in that Swindon win, the big win. Um, but but I think he, he was an integral part in that. I think he got an assist and a goal. And so I just think, again, that just having the width and the quality to be able to convert possession into real chances is really good. Uh, and, um, you know, second half, you mentioned about, you know, it was just taking our foot off the gas a little bit. But like you say, it's probably natural for that to happen and in the back of your head a bit of complacency to come into play but we actually missed a couple of chances in that second half so we we did still make a couple of chances on the break which is a real shame and um, I think Fish showed why he is the number one Um, and I don't think and you know Russ said he shouldn't have had to show him that um, because you know we shouldn't be conceding so many chances but I think he he um, he really did um really did well and commanded his area, and um, just a shout out as well for Warren O'Hara, first game back for a while, and I think he was he 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 was a slow start, but by the end of the game you could see his confidence and um yeah much much
1: needed boost after a few rocky days. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll go back to the point you made on you know forcing the mistakes, and I feel so many times earlier in the season, Joe, we had, you know. Those type of performances where we were being the victims of that, and we were we were the forces of being mistakes on us, and that just shows the transition of how it's gone from you know us being the victims to forcing other teams to be in the victims of our sort of high pressure, as you said, and really put them under pressure. And that just, if anything, that highlights what, what all the work that's been going in the past few months, and the team really believing in what's happening, and you know, we're getting the results for it. Um, you also mentioned about Ethan Laird. It's funny with Ethan Laird because his assist for that for Joe Mason's first goal, I believe. Apart from that, he didn't do a great amount in the game. Of course, he went off injured um 57 minutes due to a dead leg, which he should recover from uh, for the game against Charlton, which we'll preview later on in the episode. Um, but yeah, he didn't do a grand amount. Um, he played, competed completed about eight passes, I believe, and and of course he got the assist, which is pivotal and really set the tone for the game. But. Yeah, I think that shows his quality, quite frankly, and how good he is um, on the ball and off the ball. Uh, as we mentioned in the previous episode, really energetic, rich shows exactly what it's about and what he can bring to this team. And I feel you can tell how him and Paul have actually had a bit more time on the training pitch together and that chemistry is starting to build. And they must they may know each other from Man United days. I'm not too sure if they do. Um, but either way, uh, the chemistry seems to be developing there, which is nice. Um, Ross, Joe briefly alluded to Warren Uhura in that performance and obviously he was in the Richie Kio role um, on Tuesday night in that central centre-back at the back three um, do you kind of echo Joe's thoughts in terms of how he played midweek?
2: Oh yeah, 100% um, if you actually listened to the last episode I uh, put Warren in that back uh, back three in the main centre-half position because, because I felt like he had the uh, the characteristics to, to be a centre, that main centre-half But um, I think it just goes to show, with him being so young, uh, how mature he was um, just through that performance. And um, I I did feel like Regan Paul had a few moments where we looked a bit vulnerable. But um, as Joe said, in the second half, we just got too complacent in the end. But overall, um, we needed a reaction after Saturday. And um, I I certainly was questioning whether we could... uh, Bounce back, and we certainly did that. And um as for Mason, I think I think he's that type of player. I call him a fox in the box uh, type of player. But um yeah, I'm just pleased for him. At the, at the end of the day, he's had all these injuries, and he hasn't really had a run of games. And I'll hold my hands up now, and I've doubted him, and I've questioned his uh, squad place because of at the end of the day, we've got no no time for passengers. At the end of the day, and um, He's proved me wrong, and I'm I'm more I'm well I'm all for that at the end of the day, but I feel like um, with your comments about Led um, not having too many passes, well I just felt like there was one man in particular, and Joe's already said it, in Ben Gladwin. I think he ran the show. Um, he was dropping his shoulder, he's beating plays with ease. He was creating space for Fraser, and his range of passing is a joke for this league and. I think we all know he's got the quality. It's just whether he can stay fit with his uh, previous injury record. But um, on a whole, yeah, it was a very pleasing performance. And I feel like this week coming up is uh, vital. And I've told uh, many people this because of Kasumu, Thompson are all coming back. And I feel like this work on the training ground the next week could be key um, against Charlton. They will be strong and they will will want to bounce back after a defeat against Peterborough but I feel like um, this this training uh, or work on the training ground as such will make our defensive unit more cohesive and I'm hoping uh, they'll get better and better uh, game by game.
1: Yeah, Ben Gladwell seems to go for strength for strength at the moment. He hasn't, he's just every performance we see, you know, he may not be getting the assists and that, but in terms of what he's actually doing off the ball and on the ball, uh, you can't really do, can't ask much more really. And, even though, as you mentioned, with you know, Casms and uh, Libby coming back in the near future, hopefully for the Charlton game next week, they're gonna have a tough time getting back in that team for sure. You know, the, the field that's there now, they're putting in the shift and they're playing for their place, and it's great to see. and I'm looking forward to the battle, quite frankly. Um, I'm gonna allude to a play you've mentioned quite a few plays, you know, warring uh, Ben. Um, I want to mention someone that hasn't been mentioned, and I'll pass it over to you, Joe, in Dean Lewington. Um, I don't know if you know this, but he touched the ball 100 times in that game against Fleetwood midweek. Um, And admittedly, he didn't pass the ball too much. I think it's 58 passes, um, 72.5% accuracy rate. Um, Joe, what were your kind of thoughts on Dean Limited's performance? And perhaps, I think personally, that he kind of ran the show a little bit under the radar. I felt, obviously, Ross mentioned Regan's you know, Matt perhaps nervous as it came back into the back free, and I felt we saw signs of that against Peterborough anyway. Um, but I felt Dean Lewington really calmed the ship midweek. I don't know if you had similar thoughts or what your thoughts were in general in terms of Louis's performance.
0: Yeah,
3: I mean, I I mentioned after the Peterborough game that I think that even though Dean Lewington was on the pitch at Peterborough because he was not in his that sort of left half space pocket in the area, whatever you want to call it. He 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 wasn't able to influence as as he normally would, and we know you, you mentioned about Laird being quiet. But I think everyone knows that that little triangle of Lewington, Dan Harvey, and Scott Fraser—that is, you know, it's a lethal triangle. And so many times, one of them will play it to the other; the both of them make split in run. You know, and it's so fluid that that little trio. And I think that at Peterborough, especially, what we missed was Dean Lewinton's influence with Fraser. Because so often them two, they're on such a good wavelength and playing out from the back. um, I think with Lewington, there's no question that his first thought is always to go forwards. And that's such a rarity for, you know, a lot of of uh, defenders might struggle with that uh, play. You know, it's just thinking, you, you know, it's not so much risky balls, but actually just seeing passes that maybe other players wouldn't. He's not afraid to go long as well. Which um, I, I think is a good thing because you know there's, he knows that if someone's going to come press him, you know he's not exactly going to beat him for pace. He gets rid of it, safety first. And but but when he needs to, he can slow the game down. We all know about him winning fouls. He's probably the best in the league at that. And um, yeah, there's just so many assets uh, like like facets to his game that that do go under the radar. I think you know if he's fifty fifty with a man. And he goes in for a challenge. You know, nine times out of ten, Lewinton's going to win that and come out with the ball. And uh, it's it's such a so he's he's such a valuable player, and he adds so much. And we mentioned about how he's not mes- necessarily the most vocal, and that may be a reason why we did struggle on Saturday when he was in the middle. But I think that with 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 his it, you know leading by example, he's such a calming presence, and I think it 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 was great to see him back in that that sort of left centre-back position which he's really at, uh, excelled in I feel this season and I do actually think last season he was one of our I personally would say he was probably my player of the season for last season as well
1: yeah he's definitely one of our underappreciated players not only in league one but probably the EFL and maybe that's still you plays because because there could be plays for I mean who knows but we're happy to have had him for so long and what is it seventeen season now or something ridiculous like that. He's, yeah, he's aging like fine wine and uh yeah hopefully he can go on for many seasons more. But I also felt he dealt because you all know with um Fleetwood's front three of was Madden um Vassell and Mor- I'm sorry Madden Morris and Vassell um on Tuesday night I felt he dealt with Morris really well. I think we all know from his gunfold dates that Morris is a really tricky player and as it's as an info winger type of player he can always cutting on his left and be a danger. But, yeah, I thought Louis dealt with him really well. And, yeah, it was a really good team performance, I felt, which we perhaps haven't seen enough this season because players are coming in and out and et cetera. But, yeah, really happy. Um, glad to get the three points on the board and have a week's break until Charlton, I suppose, which is another another home game under the lights, which will be certainly a, a key contest, which we'll preview a bit later. Um, one player who was on the bench on Tuesday night, who's actually not an M.K. Dons player anymore, is George Williams um, a surprise to many people? He's um, rejoined former manager of the Don's Paul Tisdale in joining Mr. Bristol Rose permanently. Um, interesting move, to say the least. Um, of course, you know that's the second offender for us that's left in a couple of days uh, with Richard Keir, of course, moving on to Huddersfield as well, which we um, talked about in the previous episode. Um, Ross, I'll kick it off with you. Um, what are your general thoughts on the George Williams transfer? To a fellow League One side, Bristol Rovers.
2: Um, when I first heard the news um, today, it was it was I was gutted. I'm not gonna lie, and um, after, I, f- I think it's just through the fact that he's came from our academy, and um, he wears his heart on his sleeves throughout matches, and you can tell, um, especially in the Mansfield game last game last game of the season. Um, right at the start of the match, trying to gear up the fans. So it does mean the world to him. And um, at the end of the day, he's a class individual on and off the pitch. And um, I just I just don't feel like he's suited for this system, maybe. And um, well, or well, wasn't in Russell Martin's plans. But at the end of the day, I, I've got no grudge grudge to him at all. And um, I wish him all the best at Bristol Rovers.
1: Yeah, I think, unfortunately for George, he's fell victim of the the um, very tight restrictions that all League 1 uh, League 2 teams are currently under in terms of what they can pay certain players and what they can afford to have on the books and what they can't um, it was fairly clear to Steve for his minutes that he wasn't really getting enough game time um, you know we were calling for him to come back to the team uh, the weekend weren't we and on Tuesday as well um, and of course we saw Regan Paul come back in so maybe we were given the certain signs there that he was perhaps looking to move because we were aware that some players were looking to move on um, but yeah, it's a real shame. Um, I think we all really love George, and yeah, he's moved on. But um, we're going to see him around. I think it's twentieth April. Hey, Bristol Rovers again. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting game, to say the least. Uh, Joe, what are your overriding thoughts on the Willow move?
3: Yeah, I think w- w- the one one my my overall feeling is just it's a shame. It's, it is a great shame. I think you know he's he's never going to be that person that's going to. You know, he was just a dependable, solid performer, and it's. But it was clear to see that you know, may, maybe Russell Martin feels that with the salary cap and you know the likelihood that as Williams has been with us for a few years and he he came through with the promotion, he also got relegated with us and stayed. I feel that he's probably one of the higher earners at the club, and if you look at his minutes compared to other senior players, he's probably in the bottom. 5 for minutes played i think you only had eight league starts and we've played and so that's uh, i think we've played 23 games so that's about a third of our games and so it's just it's just not it's just not good business to keep someone like that around for for much longer it's it's just not good value at all and i think with with anything i think you've just got to kind of zoom out a little bit and just look at the long term and i think that if this frees up russell martin to then buy someone of a not necessarily a higher caliber, but someone that suits the way that we play more and someone that can be more value for money for us. Maybe, you know, those wages go to two players or, or one and a half players. And in in and, and it's all about the bigger picture. And um, you know, just just touching on the bigger picture, I think, you know, before this Fleetwood game, we were in such a, you know, it, it was there was a lot of to and like a lot of talk on social media. There's a lot of not panic, but it was a bit, oh, what's going on? But, you know, if you just zoom out now, look at the last six games. We've won four of them. We've drawn one and we've lost one. What the, the one loss is appears to just be the blip in the middle of it. And the draw was against the Premier League team in Burnley. And so I think it's just like with anything, it's just important to look at the bigger picture. But, yeah, I was still, you know, I was still mightily, uh, uh, mightily uh, upset that he, he went. But it's it's one of them things that, yeah, you just got to look at it with, with a bit of perspective.
1: Yeah, we, we, I think we as a club do get attached to certain players quite a lot, you know. I think with me, you yeah, know, it was Chucks when he left and it's going to be with Lee Nichols when he well probably leaves, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it has happened to certain players. and I think we're all the same. Um, when the topic on this note, do you have a favourite George Williams moment? I'll say mine. Mine was probably the Gillingham away game. Um, I think you remember the one It was under the lights, uh, I think it was a Tuesday night. Um, obviously had to win to try and fight to stay in League One um, and yeah that night just r- really struck me the whole team and I think in particular George because he was the captain on night I'm pretty sure and yeah and um, we may may or may not have a giveaway regarding George Williams coming up soon Um haven't told the boys that so that's a surprise to them as well um, <laughs> but I'll um, but yeah I don't know what are your what's your favourite George Williams moment Joey? I don't know I
2: just
3: I just kind of like, I don't necessarily have one specific moment, but I just liked the whole thing that he he kind of represented. He was always, you just, you knew what you were going to get with him. Um, You knew you were going to get 100%. You knew, he, he, I don't remember him once dropping a clanger. Like, I don't remember ever thinking, what on earth is he doing? He was just so consistent. And like um, uh, Ross said, uh, earlier, he's 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 I think he's an you know, I think he's probably the only MK Dons actual fan in the team. And you know, even looking at his Bristol Rovers pictures, he doesn't even look that happy. So <laughs> I, I just think you know, I, I, it's, it's just a real shame, it's just not worked out. But I'll just always remember him as Mr. Dependable. And he's also, you know, one thing to remember, he played in all manner of positions for us.
1: Yeah, I think um, I'll just into you with here at Rovers. Um... And yeah, I think, I think he's, I think he, yeah, he didn't look too happy, but I think he's happy to be back under the Tiz. I think he mentioned himself that how he quite is. philosophy. And I'm glad he's
3: going to be getting games.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like he's going to be in that right back position uh, for him, which is interesting because they have quite a few right backs already at that club. So mm. that's an interesting dynamic. Um, but yeah, he seems to be happy to back under Tiz. Um, Say he likes his philosophy quite a bit, which is fair enough. You know, some players can like it more than others, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Ross, I'll end it off with you, mate. Um, what's your favourite George Williams moment?
2: I think it has to be the same as yours, Liam. I yeah, think
1: it's, good, it meant,
2: it's a good night, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it certainly was. It was. I think it was just a pivotal moment in uh, in the season as well. I think we we had that belief to stay up, but um, I think overall, I think as Joe said, George could play many positions all along that back line, and um, I believe that's why Tisdale was recruited in because of um, he can play at anywhere. But I think overall, um, George Williams, you, you failed to remember, but um, failed to forget, sorry. Um, he was supposed to be a, well, I looked at him as a vice captain um, after Louis, what, two years back, maybe a year back, if so. And now look look where he is now, he's out of the picture. So it is a shame, as Joe said, but at the end of the day, players come and go and it's just a shame that it's him, one of our own.
1: Yeah, I think if one thing from it or it tells us or shows us at least how strong this squad is now, to lose a player like George Williams, he wasn't really getting game time when before he was such a pivotal part of this squad and probably wasn't until he left, to be honest. You know, he's always there. He's kind of not to the same level as Louis, but as you mentioned Ross, you know, second to him in many senses and to to lose him is the way this shows how this team's developing in a sense and, Obviously we don't know who we're bringing in yet, which you'd imagine we will win this window now. We lost two centre backs. Um but yeah, it's just open
3: the war chest winky.
1: Well, yeah, you said it on me. <laughs> Let's get this defender in. Um <laughs> No, there's the usual rumors, isn't there? Of some players, which we're not gonna say on here, but there's they're out there. So if you want to just find them yourself, you can do. Um haven't really been impressed by some of the names out there just yet. Um, but I'm sure the recruiter and team are on it and they're going to find another brilliant player because they haven't let us down yet. So, yeah. OK, well, that's it for uh, part one of the podcast. Um, next up is the FPL review. But if you, know you want to skip that, if you're not involved in the league, then that's completely fine. Uh, we'll put timestamps in the description so you can skip to the Charlton preview. So, yeah, see you in a second.
0: This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100, Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans
1: first. Welcome back, and thought I do a little interlude, um, before we review some new signings in Charlton and talk about um, FPL, uh, or Fancy Premier League, as you may not know if you don't know it abbreviated. Um, as some of you may know and are part of, um, I myself have run an FPL league of just full of MK Don's fans for years and years, and we thought it would be a good opportunity to incorporate that into the pod. Uh, this is our first season doing that, um, and there's 94 of you guys in the league. So thank you very much for joining. If you did, um, as we're at the halfway point of the season, you know, double game week 19 has just passed. Uh, we thought we'd do a little quicker interlude and talk about our teams and where we are in the league, etc., and how one of the uh, bigger game weeks of the season went. So um, I'll kick off with you, Ross. How did your double game week 19 go? First of all, and where are you in the uh, MK Dons league?
2: Well, obviously, we mentioned it pre in the part one episode, in the sense of uh, it was a big moment of me triple captain, uh, Mohamed Salah, um, and Shocky blanks, and it, this happened. It's happened two years in a row now, where um, he got benched in the second in the second game against Burnley. I had the same with Mane last year, um, and then today he scores two against Man United. It's just sod's law at the moment, but. Um, I, got, I, I went past the 100 club and uh, finished on 107 points this week. So, it's a green arrow for me. Um, and I think it's in the top 100 um, 1K in the world for this week. Uh, so, it's, overall, it's been a decent week. Um, and I think that's left me 17th this week. Um, obviously, compared to you guys, uh, it's a bit appalling. Uh, it's appalling standards. But on a personal level, I'm leading all my uh, private leagues, and that's the main thing.
1: Yeah that's, yeah, that's what you need, really. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, Ross, you say it's poor, but you're only about, what, 72 points off the podium, which um, is pretty good, to be fair. Like, that's, that's definitely recoverable from. Um, so, yeah, not bad at all. And yeah, getting the 100 club in this game week has been really important. And I don't know about top 1k, maybe top 100k. I think I have more points than you, and I'm about 90. Uh, so, I don't know. Well where... this week, you meant. Yeah, no, I mean, like I got so I'll, I'll say mine now. I got 113 points now. It's a 90k this week.
2: Oh, um, it's on um, football fix. Um, I got an app, and it, uh, 97 was the top thousand in the world.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. And I think which I think that's the I think that's the average score between the top 1k. Yeah, yeah. So you beat the top 1k quite considerably, which is always a good sign. Um, but yeah, I must have really, still, a really good week. Um, yeah, myself, I had 113 points, um, had 129, but took minus 16 to get Man City in. Um, and in particularly to get in uh, John Stones and uh, Ruben Diaz, who uh, got me a healthy 45 points. So that wasn't too bad. Um, and then the occasional punts on players like Fabio Silva, who just happened to score, which was quite nice. Um, I'm currently sitting about 50k overall and second in the, F- uh, the MK Lons League, which I'll happily take. Great. Um, Uh, You could say that if you want. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, I was miles behind first place, um, uh, but I managed to catch up a little bit on him. So I think I'm only about 21 points behind now. So, uh, of course, if I do win a prize, then I may figure out a different way to distribute that. But um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with second and 50k overall. Um, Joe, how about yourself? Where are you sitting in the league and what's your overall rank looking like?
3: Yeah, pretty solid week for myself. I I myself also took a points hit. I uh, brought in um, Diaz and... uh, I brought in, sorry, Stones and Edison. I already had Diaz. Um, So, yeah, the three of them got me over 60 points. I think around 60 points, which was certainly a lovely help. Um, I'm up to uh, uh, sixth in the league, but uh, just a few points outside uh, the Champions League places, which I'm absolutely delighted about. Um, I I, um, And also, I'm up to 230K overall um, which is pretty. I think it's been my highest this season. So yeah, I, I like to say you know I, I'm I'm all about the uh, the finishing and uh, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint.
1: Yeah, very nice. Um, past seasons for me, I've always been up there during or before Christmas, and as soon as Christmas comes around, I've always fell off a little bit. Um, but I think this is the first season where I've really sort of kept it up, and I'm actually in a pretty healthy position. And by the sounds of it, boys, we're all looking pretty good heading into the final stage of the season where. Of course, in our league, at least, the, the prizes are on offer. Um, and if you didn't know, um, I announced it at the start of the season. The top three in this in the MK Don's League this season are all at Chance some Prizes, uh, MK Don's Fiend. Um, so first place is getting uh, a replica shirt of their choice. Um, and second place, which you are, I currently am, um, but hopefully I'm not there at the end of the season, someone else can win it, um, gets two tickets to any MK Don's game next season of their choice, home or away. And then third place gets the one ticket for the same uh, criteria. Um, So, yeah, if you're still in the league, um, you know, keep plugging along. You never know what can happen during the season. You could work your way back up the league. Um, And, yeah, uh, have fun at FPLN. It's going to be an interesting second half of the season with all the uh, fixer changes and assignments and that. But, um, yeah, it's good fun. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, if you're not in it this season, then um, next season, definitely get involved. And towards the end of May, we'll power final standings and, you know, give you the chance to join the league next season if you want to. So, yeah, on to the new sidings and Charlton. Welcome back. Um, part three of the episode uh, and the final part. Um, as usual with this podcast in January, uh, we tend to have one transfer once we've done our review of the previous game and then two or three more come along and um, that's that's been the case today. Uh, on Sunday, when we're recording this, um, three signings since we last spoke, gents. Uh, the first of all, uh, Harry Darling coming in, a uh, 21 year old centre back from Cambridge, signed a two and a half year deal with the club. Undisclosed fee, uh, but as the sell on clause for Cambridge, and you take a guess that it's around a 20% of region, but you know it could be higher, it could be lower. Uh, we don't have a Scooby Doo. Um, Joe, I noticed you were pretty excited about uh, Mr. Darling joining the club, so um, I'll let you take it away. What are your thoughts on uh, Harry coming in?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's just all round. Just I'm just really just impressed and happy with the sort of the direction that the club's kind of taken in in signing a, another centre back. I think it's it was it would have been so easy to just get one in on loan, or maybe you know see if there's any free agents out there or you know, but what we've actually done is we It appears we, we've we've looked at the market and as one of the most promising centre backs in in um, League Two, who also happens to only be 21, we've paid early to to secure his services, and by the looks of it, his attributes are exactly what we are looking for. He's good on the ball. It seems like he's a good dribbler as well, but um judging by some of the clips, he he, he absolutely loves a challenge as well. And I think, you know, I I personally think he'll probably be the middle centre-back. And I think that that middle centre-back needs to almost love to defend as well as, you know, be good at playing the ball out. And, you know, at the age of 21, if you're playing in a division like League Two, which I'd say is probably more physical than League One, and you're coping well, you know, it's a good sign. Because, you know, some centre-backs, you know, they'll play till they're 36, 37 at a high standard. So to be doing, you know, to already be at consistent standard in, in League Two, it is, you know, it's, it's quite something. And, um you, you know, it's it's always a good sign when you see other... T- I think the the meltdown from the Cambridge fans when uh, when it was announced, I think that just tells you all you need to know, really. And, I, I again, at, at the end of the day, it's just so positive. And, you know, we'll get on to this, I'm sure, at, at the end, a little bit later on. But the amount of 21, 22-year-olds we've got and below, it's just, you know... If, if, if a few of them cost 100k or, or so, you know, so what? If we have a couple of them that really perform and, you know, we could be, you know, making a few million out of the, these players. You only need one or two to sell to actually, you know, to, to pay back the fees that we've spent. And, you know, I, I know I know people probably won't want to hear that, but we are going to be selling players in, in the probably, you know, in the next 18 months, some of these players will be gone because teams will come in with big money. And at the end of the day, every single team in this country is a selling club, apart from probably Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea and and Man City. You know, it's just that it's just the reality. But it's all about just moving swiftly to get that next one in. And that's what looks like what we've done with Keogh leaving. We've moved swiftly to get someone in with a lot of promise. And we've, you know, we've not been afraid to put our money where our mouth is.
1: Yeah, he seems to have all the tools to be a superb sign, really. And you um, probably has to, can have to adapt a little bit quickly than maybe expected, um, of course, with, as you mentioned, Ross McKeown moving on, you know, he's going to probably have to come into that defence straight away, and that, that might, might not be a bad thing. Um, Ross, I, I like I noticed know, know a few people likened our approach to Peterborough in a sense, of, you know, buying these players just, uh, younger and developing them and selling them on. I'm not sure it's strictly as like Peterborough um, in the way that they deal with some of their transfer dealings, but... I'm sure you echo the thoughts of uh, me and Joe in terms of how Darling looks to be a superb sign and should be get really good in our defence.
2: Oh, it's yeah, definite. I I feel I feel like I wouldn't look at as towards um Peterborough as such. Yeah. I think it's more Brentford and um likes of uh that sort of club in in the sense of we've let a massive uh, player go for a fee and we've um used a bit of our money to recruit into a uh a potential as such, a potential class centre-half. And I think um, Harry Darling's that. I feel like he's obviously a replacement for Keogh. Um, Keo was 34 and Harry Darling's 21, and it just brings the um, age right down in the squad. And um, I think what was so refreshing to see was that we offered him a two two uh, two and a half year d- deal. I think it just shows the trust and faith that um, the board have got in Russ Martin and Luke Williams. Um, for these sort of players to excel in the system, and um, I'm, yeah, I'm just excited to see um how he copes in League One because of as Joe said earlier, League Two is completely different to League One in the sense of more teams try and play football in League One in my eyes. Um, but overall, I feel like um him and O'Hora are in exactly the same mould, and I'm hoping they can bounce off each other.
1: Yeah, I mean. Obviously, with Darton, he's got a lot more experience than Uhura has had um, in terms of, I believe, it's 73 uh, professional appearances for, for Cambridge, which is, for the age of 21, it's, it's crazy, really, in terms of you know how young he is and how experienced he is. Um, but, yeah, I completely agree with you there in terms of, you know, teams want to play more football in this division. And, yeah, I mean, all the signs are good for this signing. Um, but I would say, I think, for me, the most important sign of the window so far has actually been a player already at the club who signed an extension in Andrew Fisher, I feel he's so, so vital to what his team does. And we saw with, even with Lee Nichols coming into the few games, how yeah, he, he saved a load of shots, but in terms of the, the whole ball playing side of things, it's went to pot. Um, and Andrew Fisher does that so well. And he's, you know, he's got the shots off him, but he's as well as um, that. And I feel tying him down to a multi-year deal is such a huge coup for the club. And I feel that could take us leaving bounds for not only uh, this season, but seasons to come. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on Andrew Fisher signing that extension and committing his future to the Dons? Well,
2: yeah, well, as you say, Liam, um, with obviously Lee Nichols coming into the side, I feel like um, when Fisher came in, I was always questioning it because obviously we didn't see much of him, but as I say, he's patiently waited for his opportunity and um, he's took it with both hands. And, I've read in the article of um, the extension that he actually took a pay cut, and that's the type of players I want at this club someone who wants to actually be here and not is, isn't here just to be a platform as such. And I think it just shows um, how we want to progress with the club, and he's not looking ahead. And I feel, as you say, Liam, he's just like a new signing, and I'm, I'm hoping um, for many games and years to come uh, that we can have some outstanding performances. Because of like at Fleetwood, he wins points. If we didn't have him in the net, we could have potentially lost that game.
1: Yeah, um, he's been yeah he's been one of the best players this season for me in terms of you know coming in so abruptly and really you know making this uh, putting a stamp on this sort of kid on his team. And you know, Joey it's so important to have that type of player that rarely you know puts a foot wrong in general, isn't it? Especially in that position, important position. Sorry, uh, as a goalkeeper.
3: Yeah, I actually watched um, Fisher's interview on, on the uh, I Follow, and he actually mentioned that, you know, as a goalkeeper, it, if a striker makes a mistake and misses an open goal, you know, it's not going to cost his team a goal. However, if Fisher makes a mistake, it's probably going to lead to a goal for the opposition. And I think, you know, for a 22-year-old, uh, you know, to play the way he does, it, it takes balls. It really does. There's no real, it's, it's quite a blunt way of saying it, but it really does. And I think as well, we, got, we can't forget, he only came into this team because Nichols was in, you know, he was in in a, in a tough uh, tough run of form, and so, you know, it, it was you know the spotlight was fully on Fisher. It wasn't as if, um, you know, because it was a big call from Martin so to to drop Nichols out, who's been, you know, I'd say, you know, a fantastic player for the club. He's probably played over a hundred times for Don's over the past few years, and and to to be given a chance at, and it, you know only 22 as well and to take that it just shows that you know the, the confidence of the guy and yeah he may i don't think he's maybe not as good as a shot stopper as, as lee but i think he's a, i think he is a good shot stopper um but i think what he gives us in in attacking i know it sounds weird to say that the goalkeeper helps you attack but you know i, I feel this he, he almost acts as an extra outfield player sometimes and it means if the opposition are having to press him, it means someone else is free on the pitch. So, yeah, great bit of business, sensible and, uh, yeah, really good, good. glad to be hopefully keeping hold of him for many years to come.
1: Yeah, no, another sensible bit of business that's actually happened this morning, as we are recording this, is um, bringing in the former Fulham under-23 talent in uh, Matt O'Reilly. And um, it came out after re he signed that he's been training with the club uh, for quite a while after turning down a three-year deal with Fulham. Um, left mid, centre mid, uh, I believe, who's fairly comfortable in playing either the six, uh, the eight, or the ten. So, is happy to be, you know, more of that Jordan Hamilton role, or even that Scott Fraser role. Um, my guess is is that it'll be more of a Scott Fraser type of player in terms of how he likes to be a bit more creative, likes to uh, build a play. Um, and you know, we kind of said now, transferring a preview that we kind of needed that back up to Fraser, um, maybe not in terms of how good a quality he is, but someone who could definitely change a game. But I feel with this side in Ross is that, you know, Matt O'Reilly, he's got all the potential in the world and he could turn out to be that type of Scott Fraser mold player um, in the future.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I I just feel obviously looking ahead and I don't want to dwell on it too much, um, but we're going to have offers from the Championship with Fraser and it is going to be some serious money and it's going to be money, which we probably won't be able to uh, reject because at this level, it's all about finances. But I feel like um, O'Reilly, he's, he's got competition on his hands, obviously competing with Fraser to even get in the squad. But um, I, I feel like he's definitely came to the right club in in terms of his development. Um, Luke Williams, he knows all the EFL, like the back of his own hand and um I'm expecting O'Reilly just, just to slot in him and do the job. Um, I'm not going to rave about him, so I don't know much about him. But um, yeah, I, 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 it's all a case of uh, waiting until he comes on the pitch and seeing what he can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, he clearly he clearly buys into what you were saying, Ross, about you know taking pay cuts and you know going a long time without really being in a role in football and coming into the club because you know he's gone about a job for essentially four or five months uh, to come here. And he's fought for his chance. So, if that, if that should show his character, if anything, and his want to really push on and try and be something for this team, um, and let's hope that he does that. Um, Joe, what what sort of role are you expecting Matt O'Reilly to be in this team? Are you expecting him to be more of a more of a holding midfielder like a Jordan Houghton or a Kaz, or more of an attacking player like a Scott Fraser? Um,
3: attacking, I, I definitely think an attacking player. I think he can do that sort of maybe i'd say if he's sitting he's probably more of a sermon role than a Kasumu role you know he's probably more of a you know a keep of the tempo up and and rotate the ball rather than a lunging into challenges you know which i he probably can do but one thing i you know and it was a highlights reel that the club posted but he seems to me like almost similar to Scott Fraser v2 He's left footed. He's one thing that struck me was he's so agile, like his movement was so clever, how he receives the ball and, you know, his body positioning just take, it makes it look so easy. And whereas one of the key differences with Fraser and I think O'Reilly is that um, O'Reilly, he looks a bit more of a passer than than maybe a dribbler. Like I'd say Fraser's, you know, one of you, he's absolutely fantastic at dribbling. Um, but I'd say this O'Reilly, he, he, his passing range looks an absolute joke, to be honest. And I know it's early to say, but judging by some of the comments from Fulham fans who, you know, at the end of the day, Fulham offered him a deal, but he, he you know, for whatever reason, he turned it down. He wanted to play. He's been waiting around for however many months, uh, probably due to compensation as he's an academy player that's been released, I'd imagine. Um, um, but he's been waiting around. And, it, 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 again, it's like the O'Hara thing and it's like Fisher. It's it's players that are almost, they're, they're taking a sacrifice because they buy into it and they want to play and they believe that we can, you know, help propel them. And I genuinely think that he's probably got the highest ceiling out of any player we've got at the moment. I know that's a pretty big statement to make, but, you know, if you look at teams he's been linked with in the past, Liverpool, Dortmund, and you look at some of his, you know, his attributes... It's exactly what a lot of a lot of teams are after, and so I think with, I think I think he's got potential to make a real impact this season. Uh, never mind next season.
1: Yeah, it's it comes across as a very low risk, high reward type of situation that the club are willing to take, not a gamble on, but willing really to experiment with it and see what happens. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he comes along in this team especially because he's a left-footed midfielder and I'm always a big fan of left-footed players just to be a bit different Um and so he joins the uh, Scott Fraser and Dean Lewington club uh, in that case and plays at Dan Harvey as well of course so yeah always good to have left-footed midfielders in your team and left-footed players in general in my opinion.
3: For me this is the best bit of business in the summer this it all goes season this is best bit of business for, for this January window.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to disagree. I mean, obviously, the ceiling on him—if you reckon the ceiling is that high, Joe—then yeah, I'd say then yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, I do think securing fish is probably in terms of now. Oh, fish and, is massive. Yeah, I think fish is the biggest signing. Fish
3: is massive for here and now, but in terms of, I think if you look at the t- players we've got in our team, you know, Fraser, I think we could sell him for big money. But at the end of the day, he's what 25. If we, if we were, if and when we sell him, he's probably going to be what nearer 26. You know if Matt O'Reilly has a couple of good years and he's 22 years old with you know really really good numbers in 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 League One, that's what you know that I think I think I think he can out, yeah, I, that's what that's my reasoning,
1: yeah. I mean, i tell you what, he's coming into midfield that's gonna have bodies back, isn't it? It's gonna have you know Kaz back soon, Louis Thompson back soon, Jordan Houghton back soon. Like we're gonna have, we're gonna have, a, we're gonna go from having really limited numbers in the field to having an abundance of them. So it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, where O'Reilly fits in and how many minutes he's gonna get. And I think he's gonna really have to take what he's gonna, take his chances well. Otherwise, he could uh, fall out of pecking order fairly quickly. Um, but that's no, that's no nothing against him. You know, it's just, it's just a good midfield, and uh, it's gonna be interesting to say the least. Okay, so after a pretty positive week, you know, we beat Fleetwood, got some new players in. uh, Fortunately, let Willow go. um, But, you know, we've touched on that already. Um, Move on to Charlton. And uh, of course, we played them already this season at the Valley. uh, Took a pretty comfortable away victory back to St. M.K. And now we invite Charlton back to our home uh, in the hopes of taking the number three points off them and doing the double. Uh, So, Joe, why don't you give us a sort of reintroduction into Charlton in case people have forgot about all about them?
3: Yeah, so uh, we um, we played Charlton a few a uh, few weeks. Uh, like I said, I think it was the second or third of November, and um, at that time they were, you know, they were really quite up there in the standings. And they've had a really weird run since then, and they're currently still sixth, um, which kind of shows how good their start actually was. Because in current form, uh, since the um, since the second of November, they're actually fourteenth. Um, in, in the table in terms of, um, in terms of uh, points. And we're, we're actually ahead of them on 10th. Um, in that time, in 15 games, um, they've actually conceded 27 goals. Um, and and they've, they've only won four out of those 15 games. And the, the thing is, though, they've, they've actually scored the, mo- um, the, the most in that period in the league. So since 2nd November, they've scored the most, but only four teams have actually conceded more than them. And they've conceded two or more goals in, I believe, eight out of the fifteen games they've played since facing us. Now, I believe, I believe some of that's down due to injury. Um, it looks like uh, Lee Bowyer, the manager, he's been changing the formation around a bit, and it's just such, it's it's such a kind of bizarre run of form because it's it's a team that can clearly, clearly score goals, and I'll get onto a couple of the the, the key threats. Um, but but at the back, it, it just seems to have been anything but consistent. Uh, in their last game, they've um, they were they were played um, a back four with um, Matson, who I believe is on loan, and then um, Oshalaja, who I believe he's ex-AFC Wimbledon, yeah, uh, Chris Gunter, yeah, Chris, the experienced Chris Gunter. Um, but then they've got, I think, you know, Jason Pierce. He's he's featured at the back as well. Uh, but they've also had Darren Prattley at the back. Um, so it just seems like he's not maybe not necessarily got a settled formation or you know a, a, a backline, and we saw sort of at that P- the Peterborough game. Just take a couple of players out of that a settled backline, change it around a little bit, and it can cause all sorts of uh, all sorts of chaos. And you know, at the end of the day, some of these names I mentioned, they're not bad players, but I think some players they just need a bit of that that consistency. Um, a couple of things to note in terms of new faces, which we could be seeing for um, Charlton. Um, they recently got Jane Stockley in, um, so you know, big target man, been at the level before. Uh, in, uh, or yeah, yeah. Oh no, he was in League Two. He was with um, Exeter, and he he impressed. Got his move to Preston, the Championship. Um, you've also got Ronnie Schwartz. Now he's, I believe, he's Danish, and he's been, you know, fairly. Good in that league so he comes with a bit of a you know a reputation for a goal scorer um and uh, who can, can forget uh good old Chuck who's really started to come into the goals he's um I think he's only had six or seven starts this season but he's been scoring all the time um off the bench and uh he's actually started the last few games um he started on um on um Saturday in their game against Swindon which they drew two all um so yeah it's a weird one with Charlton because at the back they seem a mess in all honesty however they've clearly got players that can really hurt us and uh, one player I wanted to mention was uh, Liam Miller he's unknown from Liverpool and he's rapid and I think it'll be him and Ethan Laird I think is going to be an absolutely fantastic battle because I'm I'm probably more than certain that they know each other from their youth days, uh, Liverpool, Manchester United respective, uh, um, respectively and I, I'm really interested in that battle because I think that if if uh, Ethan Laird is over committing at any point, you know, you could leave Warren O'Hara potentially or whoever's playing on that right centre-back route, potentially exposed from Miller um, and so counter-attacks, I feel, is where they could get us. But, you know, with Charlton as well, in the middle of the pitch, the, the class they've got, it's a bit of a joke, really. Forced Kasky, um, Johnny Williams, you know, these are championship midfielders, quite frankly. And then you've got people like um, Shinney who scored, came off the bench to score at the weekend. And Alex Gilby, yeah, he might not have had his best of, time, best of times there so far. But, you know, we all know what Alex Gilby can do if Alex Gilby turns up. So... <sighs> I'd like to hope that there's a few chances, that there will be chances for us to score. And, and, I, and I think we will get at least one goal. It's just about how we defend, because I think that they have got definitely, definitely got the individual talent to hurt us. And I think with, uh, with Schwartz and EK and Stockley, they've got a few potential um, big men that they could be playing. So if they're playing these balls into the box, we saw how... You know, destructive. the likes of Johnson Clark-Harris were. So, yeah, I think, you know, they're there to be got at, but there's plenty of threats to be wary of.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, I believe this is, this is Chuck's first game back at CMK uh, since he moved the move, right, from Chuck to MK down to Charlton. Hmm. Um, I don't yes. think you would have got, despite all the snowball, I don't think you would have got a frosty reception from me without that, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting and also a bit worrying to watch him again uh, against us. Because uh, I as you I said, Joe, we know the quality he's got. And um, yeah, I'm interested, Joe, to know your thoughts. Do you think, um, obviously, Stockley you mentioned has just come in. Do you reckon he'll come straight into the team? Because obviously they're struggling quite a bit, but they are scoring goals ultimately. I was wondering, do you reckon he'll come in straight away, or do you reckon someone like Chucks will get the nod at front?
3: Um, well, just just looking at, at their lineup on on um, Saturday, it did look like they played a bit of a 4-4-2. and it seems to me that they've they've chopped and changed formation quite a bit. They've played three at the back, they've played four at the back, they've played with wingers, they've played like midfield. You know, they, it, it seems that they are mixing it up a bit. So, I think if you're playing a solo striker, I can't think of many better than Chucks to hold up the ball. It's someone who could also run in behind. But I think if you're playing two strikers, I think you'd you'd definitely be looking for one of Sports and Stockley to be starting. And I think in in his current form, I don't think you really can afford not to play an EK.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's sensible. Um Joe briefly touched on it, Ross, but I know you wanted to elaborate more on Forza Kasky, the former Dons man. So I'll let you touch on uh, JSE for us.
2: Yeah, um, he's been a bit of uh, a revelation rev- since the start of the new year, such such. Um, he, he sits in the middle of that midfield, he marshes it very wet, well, and he's averaging 1.7 interceptions and 1.9 tackles a game at the moment. And um, I feel like if we are to get anything out of this game, it'll be through Fraser, obviously, our, our uh, creative hub. And um, it'll be interesting to see how he matches up against Jake Forskaski in the sense of. Um, as I said, if we're gonna get anything out of it, it's gonna be through Fraser. Um, but an- another player I want to just touch on um briefly was Jaden Stockley. Um I know Joe mentioned about Chucks and EK scoring all the goals. Water is wet and all that. But um yeah, Jaden Stockley his, his records um is prolific as such. He scored thirty-five goals in fifty-three appearances for Exeter. And for one reason or another, he is um the opportunity at Preston just didn't work out. And um, I don't feel like you just lose that clinicality in front of goal. Um, and I, I do feel like um, Charlton signing him, will, I, I feel long-term it will work out well. I know it's only a loan, but Charlton at the end of the day, want to um, move up to the championship. And I feel like recruiting Stockley certainly will uh, give him a great chance of it. But um, oh. yeah, he's re- very much a target man and somewhat uh, clinical if he gets a chance. And um, if he are to get anything out of the, this game, it'll be through him or Anike.
1: Yeah, they. Um, I think Charlton, the Charlton Twitter account, posted some, uh, some clips to Stockley while he's at Preston. And uh, some of the finishes were ridiculous. So I don't think he's lost that quality. I just said, I was thinking this needs to, you know, maybe the jump out of the championship was a bit too soon. This needs to play some League One football, I guess a minute's under his belt. And I mean, of course, the first game he plays is against us. And that's typically how it goes. Um, but yeah, hopefully we keep them quiet on a Tuesday night. But one quick note I will say regarding Charlton is that they have lost quite a few games away recently, but even after that, they're still the fourth best away team in the league and their away form really kept them up there uh, in the terms of the league table. So, you know, I wouldn't take them too lightly. They're still a very good team despite their recent form. And as we've mentioned throughout this preview, they've got the quality to punish us if we make mistakes. Um, so yeah, we need to be on the ball, quite frankly. And I'm sure Russ will and that into the players anyway. So, gents, uh, starting 11s. Um, Ross, I'll let you kick us off. Uh, what's your predicted starting 11 for Tuesday night against Charlton? Yes,
2: yeah, so I've gone with uh, Fisher and Goal um, for a start. And um, I've gone with Darl. I've changed Paul with um, Darling and such, but it's not in the same order. Um, but I felt like Paul against Fleetwood um, at times. He just felt... Um, he looked uncomfortable and um, unsettled as such as part of that back three. And I felt like he really struggled. Um, so in my eyes, I, I feel like we should move O'Hora over to the right-hand side and uh, slot Darling in that centre half. Because as Joe said earlier, he can pick a pass and he can be part of our attack, just like Keo was. And I've gone with uh, Louis on the left-hand side. And then I've gone with Led and uh, Harvey as the wing-backs. And um, then in the middle, I've gone with the same uh, three we had against Fleetwood and Fraser, Sorensen and Gladwin. I feel like they're just undroppable at the moment. Um, I just feel like, obviously, replacing him with O'Reilly, if he is fit, um, I don't feel like it, it would go down well, in the sense of, because they haven't had a bad, 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 bad performance as such. And then I've gone with Mason and Jerome at top. I feel like Brown, he probably isn't match fit still. I know he's had a week and that, but um, I think it's just a case of uh, getting in minutes uh, until the uh, the start of the next season, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you put Darling straight in there because I had the same thought, and I had exactly the same as issue as well, Ross. Um, I was watching highlights of Darling when he signed and... I noticed a particular stat who was tweeted by um the five yards guys about a ball progress pull progression by runs and they highlighted how Richard Keogh was highest in that category, um, with two hundred and thirty-seven uh progress by runs. And I, w- I was watching Darling and he seems to do that exact type of run. Um, and of course with long balls as well. So I feel if you could have cloned Richard Keogh into a younger player, I don't think you could have found a better player than Harry Darling, to be honest. And Bit the fact that as well. well uh, <laughs> that's your opinion. But no, I mean the fact that the club have picked him out, out of nowhere, well, not out of nowhere, but you know, out of a massive pool of players is quite impressive, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's actually like the same level as you, Ross. Um, I do feel also the bench is probably going to be the strongest we've seen this season. Um, you know, the likes of you know, Cat has been training all week, as has Louis Thompson. And, of course, I've seen Jordan Halton just come back as well. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to have a strong bench, strong first 11. Uh, hopefully Mason still got his shooting boots on because that's going to be much needed in this one. And, um, yeah, hopefully get a result. And, Joey, what's your starting 11 looking like for Tuesday night?
3: Um, I've got down a 11 Joe Masons.
1: Um, okay, well, that was help for you. Yeah, helpful, yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: um, I've, I've gone for pretty much the same. Um, I've gone for, yeah, I've gone for fishing golf. The same back three of you guys. I think Darling, he he just comes across to me as a player that's so assured and just so confident. And I think that, you know, if he's going to be playing that middle centre back role, I think, you know, he's not going to be, if you want, baby fed into it or whatever. I think he's just going to be thrown straight in. I think uh, he seems like the sort of guy that would absolutely relish it. I, I've gone for Lead and Harvey wing backs. I I really hope it's Harvey again. You know, I, I like Sorinola, but I just think we have so much more going forward with with um Harvey. I've gone for Lasser, Gladwin and Fraser in the midfield. Um to be honest, I'd I'd probably have that as our start in midfield, but I'd just change Kasumu for Lass. Um if you know, once everyone's fit. Um, but and then like you said with the bench, it's absolutely mental to think wh- where does Thompson fit in this? Where does O'Reilly fit in this? <laughs> where does Sermon fit in this? You know, it's an embarrassment of riches. But you know, we we have seen that that can all change so so quickly. Um, so you know we, we you know it's good to have the numbers there. Um, and I've also got I've gone for Mason and Jerome. I think um, j- j- people. Um, uh, I believe the comms were saying um, uh, on on the um the game against Fluid how Jerome has been a bit quiet recently. But I think just because he hasn't scored doesn't mean he's been quiet I think some of his link-up play has been brilliant in recent games and I think especially against Fleetwood you know we mentioned about how that Fleetwood made a couple of mistakes defensively but I thought Jerome's pressing was absolutely phenomenal and you know to be leading the press at what 34 35 years old and he's the one that's you know running probably covering one of the most yards in the team I just think it tells you everything you need to know about him he's so selfless and when he's get got gets he gets, gets a chance you'd back him to put it away and yeah, Mason, another hat trick would be nice.
1: Yeah, regarding Jerome, I think the same people said the same thing about Morris, and he did, strikers don't need to score to have a good game. Uh, that's that's mm. a complete myth nowadays. Um, and yeah, as you said, like it's yeah for for a guy of his age um, to be doing that and at this level as well is tremendous, really. And you know, it, it was clear the impact it had on Tuesday, and if he's on form again, and like the whole team was, then it's going to happen again. And <laughs> it will keep continuing uh, the more games that happens. Okay, so let's get to our predictions, boys. Um, I'll kick us off with our predictions. Uh, I've gone for 1-1. Um, bit of a cautious one. You know, I've mentioned how Charlton are pretty good away and I actually feel this would be quite a good point. Um, I do feel with all the talent they got up front, they are going to, uh, well, I think they will score. I think it's easier to say they'll score than they won't. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that man who's going to score is going to be Chucks and Ike. But I do think we'll get something from the game. Uh, See, so yeah, I got one-one. Uh, Joe, what's your prediction looking like for Tuesday night? Um,
3: I'm I'm going two-one. I do think it will be tight, but I think we'll score, and I, I do think Charlton will score as well. But I think one thing I noticed in the game against Fleetwood, maybe one of the reasons we we kind of faded second half was you know we were bringing on 16 and 17 year olds in the in the second half. If we can bring on say you know the likes of Thompson, Kasumu, if we can bring on those sorts of players, it really just helps keep the levels high and just maybe can maintain that, that high level throughout the game. And we've, you know, we, we have had a, a week's break as well. That's another thing just to remember. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite hopeful. 2-1. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah. I like dogs it. Nice. two-one Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't say so anyway. Um, Ross, are you in agreement with Joe and comes with 2-1 scoreline?
2: Yeah, I've, I've gone the exact same. Um, I feel like we're just going to pit this one. Um, I've looked at Charlton's um, results um, this year, and they've only won once out of the six. I feel like um, this is just an opportunity for us to get three points. I know, Liam, you've said that the quality is still there, but I feel like we've got quality as well, and I feel like we've got quality which can punish them. And I've, I feel going forward um, with Jerome, and obviously if Mason's on form as well, I feel like it will be hard to keep us out, yeah. So, I've gone with a 2-1 MK victory.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one comment I'll leave us all with is, uh, form is fickle, but class is permanent. Um, but, as you said, we do have, we do have our own class. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that shows on Tuesday night we get all three points, eh? And do the double over chart, on which uh, I'm sure their fans will be very pleased with um so yeah that's kind of it for the episode uh thank you very much for listening once again uh apologies never longer episode but uh unfortunately we can't help but the club are going to make some really good signings if we have to talk about them um but yeah we really hope you enjoyed the episode um if you could rate review, and subscribe that would be excellent and um yeah come on you dons
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.